four very famous friends go on a musical comedy adventure. Oh, man. Yeah. Kay, have you seen Help featuring the Beatles? Shockingly, no, I have not Kyle seen Kyle does not that. care for the Beatles, and we're going to see if I can change his mind. Yeah, so we're going to watch the Beatles. Fantastic. Help. We'll see what you think. I need somebody help, not just anybody help. You know I need someone help. Hello and welcome to K Have You Seen. I'm Kari. I'm Kyle. And today we're talking about help. Help! I need somebody. <laughs> we'll cut that in later. Um, Kyle, yes. tell me in your own words what this movie is about. Sure, it's about capitalizing on a fad. Um, that Sorry, that's the very short version. Um, okay, so the actual summary, the Beatles, playing a lightly fictionalized version of themselves, uh, are pursued by an Indian death cult who wants to kill Ringo Starr after a fan sends him their ceremonial sacrificial ring, which obviously gets stuck on his finger. Absurdity ensues as the death cult attempts to retrieve the ring by such methods as feeding Ringo to a tiger and cutting him into pieces with a chainsaw. Yes, and other method. There's a lot of There's finger lot. grabbing through uh, postal windows, and it uh, escalates <laughs> very quickly, which I'm sure we will discuss at length. Absolutely. Um, so for me, that's pretty. Yeah, that, you know, that's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> I originally saw this movie when I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with my grandparents, mm. who live not too far outside of Cleveland. They live in Erie, Pennsylvania, and so we saw. That oh, when we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there was some kind of Beatles exhibition going mm-hmm. on, and they screened the movie, and so we just like sat and watched the full mm. hour and a half movie in in the museum, and I for some reason just really liked it. I don't know why. I was probably I don't know maybe like fourteen at the time. Okay, and prime, I, prime Beatlemania <laughs> age, actually. Exactly. You know, I just really caught that wave at the right time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I, I will get into this later because. Rewatching it, I was like, what did I grab onto? Because I went home, I bought the movie, like I bought the DVD. I've said before, my family does not own a ton of DVDs, myself mm-hmm. included. And I I bought this one and I watched it a couple times during that kind of maybe the you know year after that. But awesome. Yeah, so that was my experience. And yeah, we'll get in more later why why I think it appealed to me. But Okay. So did you have any background experience with this did you I, know of this movie i knew it existed mm-hmm. um but i knew absolutely nothing about it apart from the fact that the beatles were in it i knew literally nothing about it um the only song that i knew was in it was help the title track oh. um and how did you know <laughs> just a really intuitive guess um and before we go too far into this conversation I'll, I'll continue answering your question here very shortly but one thing i need to get out for context for our listeners mm-hmm. is that i am not a huge beatles fan i don't dislike the beatles i'm not going to be one of those contrarian dickheads who's like the beatles are overrated i don't think they're overrated i don't hate them they're just not like the kind of music i normally like to listen to mm-hmm. so with that out of the way my First impressions, other than you know, you know, watching this movie, I feel like it kind of has to be discussed in two separate realms. That being the comedy film and the music video segments, uh-huh. which are essentially modern music videos, or like the early day, like really the birth of modern music videos happened. I think in this movie. Oh, okay. um, I I think I mean based on what I know about it, I'm not a scholar on that subject, but it seemed that way. So. First impressions. As far as the comedy was concerned, I was not expecting complete absurdity. Oh. I was, I, again, because I knew nothing about it, and so I had no idea that that was what kind of comedy was going to be. I don't hate that. And that's something that takes a certain skill to execute well. Um, and the Beatles are not, you know, they're, they are objectively great musicians, I think. Not, like ultra-skilled comedic actors. Like, I didn't... You know, it's not their calling, and that's (laughs) okay. Um, And this is just... I don't know if this goes anywhere, but, like, the dialogue in general, like, all the dialogue scenes, I felt like I was missing stuff just because it all kind of felt like a mumblecore movie. Uh, There was a lot of mumbling, that's fair. And But completely unintentionally. Like, not to make a statement. It just seemed like 
They, they just were, are mumblers. <laughs> they just don't speak very clearly. Like, if you've ever seen interviews with the band Oasis, who mm. were considered at their <laughs> at Wonderwall, their peak, yes. Yeah, <laughs> at their peak, they were considered the new Beatles. So I was... I, I went into it knowing that they're not professional comedians, so I kind of forgave a lot. Mm. Um, but still, it like every moment of it just felt like I was being... I don't want to say assaulted with this absurdity, <laughs> but kind of assaulted with this mm. absurdity. And I didn't... I did not hate it. Oh, okay. Um, All right. I will yeah. say, as I was watching this, I realized this combined both one of the first things I learned about you, which is that you don't like the Beatles, and something very recent I learned about you, which is you don't like twee comedy. And I was like, <laughs> really just a marriage of Kyle's dislikes. Oh, so I'm kind of shocked you didn't hate it. I really so you, thought you were Okay, so it. wait a minute. Hold on a second. So you, knowing those two things... <laughs> Still recommended this movie, which makes me want to recommend a movie that you're not going to like next. No. But we'll see, we'll see we'll see when we get to that that point. No, I like I didn't realize I didn't remember how twee it was <laughs> until I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, I think the Beatles might have invented that brand that of comedy. Is, that'd be, that's a fair guess, yeah. They invented music videos. They invented twee comedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So didn't hate it. I will. I will say. I, I did a very light amount of research about this movie also mm. just so I would have a little bit more a little bit of context. I didn't want to like steal your thunder on like giving like facts and things. Mm-hmm. I found out that um they were all stoned out of their gourds throughout the entire filming process of this movie yeah. and that did not shock me based on their performances. I was like that makes perfect sense actually. Yeah, I, you know, they acted like high people. Yeah, and the <laughs> and the movie is a little bit of like a stream of consciousness. Now we're just like in the Swiss Alps and we're skiing around and we're yeah. just, you know, having fun. So yeah, not not totally shocked. <laughs> not super professional on their part for acting in a movie. I'm sure it was kind of a nightmare to wrangle four super stoned superstars that are not professional actors into doing some of this stuff. I don't you know, know. We'll get we'll into see. this a little bit later too, but they're the Beatles. I gotta imagine they were just like, people are gonna see this movie. Just don't worry too much about it. <laughs> but yeah, that's... Uh... That's uh, pretty much my first impressions all around, yeah. All right, all right. Well, I am, yeah, like I said, a little shocked. You didn't <laughs> totally hate it. I wasn't hoping you would hate it, but I did have the thought as I was watching, I was like, oh, no, this might be the first one that Kyle is, like, legitimately mad at me for making him watch. Well, I, I, I will say this. If I was to go back and do a second watching, I don't know if I would like it more or way less. Mm-hmm. Like, as a first time, I was just kind of letting it all wash over me and just, like, what is this you know mm-hmm. if there were no surprises in it whatsoever because it's you know a side effect of being so absurd is that it was unpredictable mm-hmm. and that kind of you know that definitely kept my interest but having to watch like watching it again i'm not sure if i'd appreciate it more or, or think this is unwatchable <laughs> yeah i really don't know yeah well so giving a little bit of background on the production of this um this came out in uh, help came out in 1965 one year after a hard day's night which was their i believe first film. I believe that's correct. And it was peak Beatlemania. So this was, you know, like you said, there's really no getting around it. This was totally capitalizing on the <laughs> fact that people would consume anything to do with the Beatles ravenously. So Hard Day's Night did really well. I think it like $12.3 million, which is a lot. And it was a 189,000 pound budget, which is mm-hmm. so cheap. IMDb estimates help was a 1.5 million US mm. dollar budget. Yeah. Which you can't even you can't buy one beetle for 1.5 million. <laughs> so they must have it must have just been like basically a music video and yeah. they are bankrolling it because it's going to make them a ton of money. And it's it's funny that um you know that was the budget for the whole movie because if you had a movie today not starring the Beatles, but you wanted all those Beatles songs in it, the rights for one song alone, even adjusted for inflation, would be far higher than that. So true. So true. Yeah, so, you know, it must have... I It really did... There were parts of this that just felt like a bunch of music videos strung together, and I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, there probably really wasn't a big forum for music videos back then, so this might have been it. This might have been well, exactly where that came from. I mean, a lot of people think that like music videos started with MTV when that's not really true. Like Mm. even in the seventies, like you still had like in Britain, for example, top of the pops was on TV for a long time. And like, they made like promo videos for different like singles. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which was eventually where MTV got a lot of its programming from, was these promo videos that would air on, like, one-hour music shows. Mm -hmm. They just made a whole cable network out of that. So it's not like the music video was birthed in 1981, but at the same time, I don't know that they ever existed in any real form other than just footage of live performances on a stage Mm -hmm. uh, before this movie. Um because, like, you'd have them playing on Ed Sullivan, for example. Mm, okay. Or, you know, or, like, Elvis on Sullivan or something like that. Right. But you didn't really have, like, a staged, set-designed thing that was just designed to be a filmic product. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I... Don't quote me on this. I do think this was the birth of that. Mm. Um, yeah, anybody, yeah. you know, music literate uh, listeners, write in and tell it, because that seems totally <laughs> reasonable. Like, I, you know thinking about it now it, it just watching it now you're like oh yeah this is just a bunch yeah. of music videos strung together mm-hmm. especially in the second half but yeah like that it, to audiences back then that would have been totally different mm-hmm. something they didn't see all the yeah. time like we do yeah and, and it, in that case it is kind of fascinating just because it is sort of like the natural progression of like the musical number like we talked about this when we talked about singing in the rain how like you know, these dance numbers and things like that are really produced and look wild. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't look like the rest of the narrative film. Like, they right. really go out to make them artistic. So this feels like a natural progression of that that led to music videos. And, in fact, I wrote this down because um, I found, again, in my light research, Richard Lester, the director the director of this movie. Right. Apparently somebody told him that he was the father of MTV and he demanded a blood test. Oh, see, that's, that's the comedy. That's the, <laughs> that's the standard, like, cause that's watching this and you're saying the Beatles aren't like comedic actors and stuff. It does remind you, any interview you see with them, they're, mm-hmm. you know, especially now in kind of the age of, of memes and yeah. gifts and stuff, you see a lot of their material getting reused. And like, that was very much their humor of just these like really witty one-liners, the kind of like deprecating, but also like ragging on each other a lot kind of humor so they really were known for being pretty funny but being a comedic actor is a little different i will give you that that is exactly what i was going to say and i'm glad that you beat me to it no that was it i I was gonna say like there's a big difference between being funny in person and being a comedian but Mm. you you exactly what you just said yeah yeah so watching this were there did you pick up on cultural influences like things that influenced the movie yes yes okay so uh one thing that stuck out stuck out to me that I thought was really interesting for an for whatever reason was uh, the scene. I cannot remember which songs they played during this, but like the parts where they're out in the field by Stonehenge, which uh-huh. this is the second movie we covered <laughs> that involves a rock concert with Stonehenge. Um, was Spinal Tap influenced by Help? Must have been. They is had this the Genesis? Um, rock stars have a weird fascination with Stonehenge, but that's a different subject entirely. I mean, everyone does. It's yeah. like a mystical, like, whatever. Um, the Druids. Um, anyway, so that whole section where they had, like, a battalion of the British Army protecting them, like the <laughs> British Army tank corps was surrounding them, um, and the, the, the cult, for some reason, I don't know whose choice this was, but it was a very interesting stylistic choice. Everything the cult was doing while they were pursuing the Beatles was a very specific, like, World War One pastiche. Oh, like, okay. their uniforms were, like, British, not just British Army uniforms, but British World War One uniforms. Mm. Um, things like the barbed wire and the undermining, like, the digging the tunnel underneath to, like, mm-hmm. set dynamite charges, which had a weird stat written yes. on them. Okay, that is the thing I picked up. I mean, I you're obviously going to be way more in tune to some of this than I am, but... The, the one one millionth of, uh, of, of ex- what was it? It, it was, was one one millionth of the explosives detonated in one week during the Second World War. Yes, yeah. That stat was stenciled on the side of, like, the boxes <laughs> of TNT that they were going to use to attempt to blow up the Beatles. Yeah. So, anyway, but that, like, the, the word undermine, I'm getting off track here, but that's going to take a second. The word undermine comes from World War One where they wow. would dig a tunnel underneath enemy positions and set mines under the enemy. Oh man! Etymology lesson. Etymology. I love it. Anyway, uh, yeah. But yeah, so that's a very specific like World War One thing that British audiences would have been particularly attuned to, probably partly because even the artillery was like World War One accurate, which I thought was ridiculous. Wow. Anyway, I thought that was fascinating because the First World War happened less than fifty years prior to this movie coming out. And that movie came out more than fifty years ago from today in two thousand eighteen. Anyway. So that was one cultural reference. Um, the James Bond style. 
yeah. So hot right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of things that I, I read, like reviews and things, were talking about how like it was obviously like an in- James Bond influence, and I was like, ah. I don't know if it was that obvious. Like, mm. there was one scene where they, like, I think they literally played James Bond music while they're being chased by the cult. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, there was no, like, secret agent thing going on. It was just, like, a... It was... I could see the influence. I didn't think it was that mm. obvious, though, personally. I mean, you have the, like, the... Um, she wasn't quite a femme fatale. She was... The, the the woman she was the opposite she was like a, she was like a yeah I could see her as like a Bond girl kind of a character yeah, like that she was type kind of, of that yeah not not entirely I don't know you think Bond girl and you think kind of just like a babe but mm. she was like that double agent kind of like female energy that, that felt very Bond to me and especially her outfits like yep. the the swimming the thing she wore when she at the end where she comes and rescues Ringo <sighs> from the sailboat and it's like literally a cape over like a black bathing costume that felt very my, bond my personal favorite was the pink jackie onassis uh jackie oh, kennedy yes. outfit with the pink pistol that was hilarious oh yeah that was lovely um yeah <laughs> they got some really good gags with her like her and paul kind of having a thing and then he's into it and she's kind of like Ugh. yeah like, ew. Uh, ew. <laughs> what is george like it's like, I'm always getting winked out these days. Like, yeah. It used to be you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, that was that part made me laugh. I thought that that was one of the moments that like I really did think was super uh, funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also like the science fiction mad scientist tropes with like mm. the weird like death rays or whatever. The guy who played that mad scientist, like Dr. Foot or whatever his name, mm-hmm. he was hilarious. He was great. That was I thought that was like one of the great Britishisms, which yeah. we can get in later, but all his, his his running gags about like, well, you know, it's American-made equipment. The mm-hmm. plugs just aren't right. And <laughs> at one point, I totally forget what it was, but he's, they like foil his plot at some point because he keeps coming back with his little assistant who is Veruca Salt's dad from... I thought he looked familiar from, yeah, uh, from Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but every... Look, now that you mention that, he hadn't aged in, like, 10 years. In that 10-year interval, he yeah. didn't age a day, it looked like. No, not at all. Like, that's... And it's cool, like, he's the one that I was like, oh, yeah, I know him. <laughs> um, besides the Beatles, obviously. But... Who? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. the Beatles. The, the Beatles. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, but he, at one point, they, like, foil his plot because his equipment malfunctions, mm-hmm. the scientist, and he's like, you know, this is... Our, uh, scientists are just sadly unequipped now like it's it's in your hands the hands of the voters <laughs> as he's like you know his attempt to kill Ringo has been oh, yeah. foiled he, he weirdly brings up like government funded science <laughs> yeah. which I didn't even think about this it was something we were literally just discussing earlier before this oh, podcast true. with Elon yeah. Musk and the SpaceX launch today yes anyway. still relevant you know that just <laughs> government over. pay scientists <laughs> anyway um, I'm glad that some things never change, I guess. Yep, you know, it's still relevant. This yeah. is still, the Beatles still speaking the truth <laughs> to our generation. Way ahead of their time. Um, any other cultural influences that stuck out to you in particular? Bond was a big one as I was reading about this that I was like, oh yeah, this totally was, totally a Bond thing. Um, um okay, so uh, this is more of an oblique ref- influence, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. this wasn't a specific reference to anything in particular, but like, how familiar are you with the Marx Brothers? Uh, the mm. comedy team from the 1930s. A little bit as as a cultural touchstone, yeah. sure. So they're, I, I was really into them when I was a kid because that uh. was one of the few movies that I was able, one of the few kinds of movies I was able to watch was mm-hmm. 1930s comedies when I was a kid. Um, and the style, their style of comedy is like pure anarchy mm-hmm. and absurd in a way that is very similar to this and I, it's, it's unmistakable that this movie was influenced heavily by Marx Brothers movies. Yes. Um, and I think that that's openly acknowledged by a few of them, yeah? Yeah, Duck Soup is the one that yes. I kept coming across was the, like, the main influence mm-hmm. for creating this this movie. So, yeah, and that was a Marx Brothers film. Had you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Did I, you, like, um, pick the, up on anything specific? The plots have nothing to do with each other. Okay. The plots, such as they are, have nothing to do with <laughs> each other. But the style is very much... I, I feel like... Um, uh, Dick Lester definitely like took Marx Brothers style humor and attempted to update it with like more uh, like 1960s relevant sensibilities mm-hmm. in the way of just like making things even more outrageous and mm-hmm. more nonsensical which it's a bold experiment yeah. I mean I'll give him credit for that I didn't necessarily think that it worked that well but we, we can talk about that when we get a little bit close to the end I've got other thoughts related okay, to that okay alright <laughs> Yeah, not being familiar with some of these specific references, it still was like they were very clearly 
they were very open about mm-hmm. having been influenced by by Marx Brothers, by Duck Soup. Um, mm-hmm. And just The Monkees was the only other one that came to mind. I watched The Monkees TV yeah, show a so lot I. as a kid. Loved that. And so seeing this and being like, oh, yeah, there really was like a... I, I'm not sure date-wise, like chronologically, where they fall the in relation to each other. The Monkees TV show definitely came after this, but uh-huh. very shortly. Like, yeah. just close enough that it's obvious that the creators of The Monkees were like, let's take this and make it a sitcom with yeah. a different band. That'll be our band. They'll be even better. Yeah. Um, and yeah. was the monkeys created for the sitcom? Yeah. Is that how that worked? Yeah. yeah. They were they were a band created just for that TV show. Yeah. That I think is so interesting. The like relationship between like the band and then the content. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're clearly the Beatles, you know, were a band first and then right. they were like, Well, we can make movies about them and then taking a TV show and making a band to fit it and yeah. how everything was just so symbiotic is you know, it's interesting. Because yeah. it worked. Yeah. It, it was really popular. And this is this is weird. I mentioned I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but like I really like the Monkees, like, actual records mm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't know why. Like, their music, very similar in style. Yeah, absolutely. But for some reason, I don't know why I latched onto the Monkees, yeah. but not the Beatles. I have no idea why this is. Mm-hmm. It's just some weird genetic deformity, I guess. I don't know. What is it with the Beatles? Like, are you just... Is it overrated? Is there something about it that just doesn't appeal to you? Definitely. It... I, I don't... I have a hard time saying they're overrated because I think they deserve credit for being as influential as they are. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I cannot deny that yeah. at all. Um, overplayed like their mm. best songs quote unquote get played so much yeah. all over the place like back when oldies radio was like a thing and you could actually like, turn on like terrestrial radio and hear songs from the 1960s That's easily it's still a thing, thing. Yeah. 97 won the river in Atlanta come on I thought they were like a classic rock station from like you know yeah. I, I thought the oldest thing they played was like Hendrix and the Door anyway whatever I don't think so I think they go back from I don't maybe know. It, the Fo- Fox 97 was where it was at in, when I was a kid, but that doesn't exist anymore. But still, uh, okay. Cool 107 in Pensacola was the one, and then they turned uh, that okay. into like a top 40 pop station, so... Uh, hate to see it. Anyway, continue. Anyway, so I, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I've never heard a Beatles song that makes me feel feelings. Let me put it oh, that way. okay. Like, I hear music from other performers that make me feel feelings, but just not the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like, I know that other people have like a very... Kyle has feelings, guys. I, listen... I uh, I was talking to somebody about it who was telling me that... Your feelings? <laughs> that was a different conversation. <laughs> no, I was talking to somebody about, like, the Beatles, for example, and uh-huh. she was like, yeah, I think that everybody has one Beatles song mm. that speaks to them. Oh. I think I've heard every Beatles song. None of them spoke to me. Wow. I don't know. And like I said, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying I dislike them. I just don't... I don't dig them the way everybody else digs them. At least one of my favorite Beatles songs came from me watching mm-hmm. this movie. Okay. And, it, you know, they have... I, that's one thing I really like is the songs they play in this. I mean, obviously, there's, like, there's Help and mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of the, like, really popular ones. But um, they do play some deeper cuts mm-hmm. and, and they're really good. Like, they they have some really good songs in this movie. I will say, by the way, I didn't mention this earlier, that even though I'm not a huge Beatles fan, I think my favorite period of the Beatles career was around the time this movie was made. So, like, I loved all the songs in this movie. No, okay. In, like I said, in general, they're just not my favorite band. But I prefer this period of their career. It was like they were just starting to get out of just, like, the super basic pop tunes. Mm-hmm. You know? But it was before they got more experimental. Which, yeah. I appreciate their experimental stuff. Yeah. Still not my favorite. And, I mean, if you, you know, their later, more experimental stuff has a lot of Indian influence. So, I thought that it's interesting to mm-hmm. how much... Yeah. We can get into the Indianness of this movie in a little bit. Oh, Because that gonna. is... We need to talk about... It's but, unavoidable. Yeah. But um, there is a lot of sitar. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, like, more Eastern Asian-influenced music. Do you think that George Harrison heard the house band in the Indian restaurant playing Hard Day's <laughs> Night on sitar and was like, oh my Heck god. yes. <laughs> I can... I like that a lot. There is a fact about... Um, Apparently, George Harrison was introduced to the sitar in uh, Hard Day's Night. And oh. I think it kind of like it clearly was making its way into his psyche because there's a lot of it in, I would, in Help. And then I wonder if he asked the house band, like, hey, can you can you play uh, Hard Day's Night like on your instruments? Because I want to hear what that sounds like. Hmm, cut to deep thought, George <laughs> Harrison. So, yeah, I guess we can kind of get into the, the Indian because th- this was kind of something of the period that mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, did not hold up. 
very whitewashed. They're all of the Indian quote unquote characters. Which do they ever acknowledge that they are Indian? They are Eastern, east of Suez. That's all we get. Right, and there are they have a lot of like little British euphemisms for because mm-hmm. okay, so yeah. I mean, granted, Britain has had a like six hundred year relationship with the subcontinent, so it's like you know they. They are very closely intertwined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whitewashing is whitewashing. Oh, but... for sure. I, I I guess what I'm saying is, like, they are very tied in the sense that, like, British people are not, like, there is not a lot of novelty to, like, India mm-hmm. for British people. Does that, right. make more, does that make a little bit more sense? Sure, yeah. I mean, I... It's just, yeah, so all the Indian characters that are, you know, part of this cult and stuff and chasing Ringo are... They're white people. I did think it was kind of fun. They, like, kind of hang a lampshade. Yeah. They kind of hung a lampshade on, I think. Either it was unintentionally ironic or they hung a lampshade on it. But um, when they go to the Indian restaurant and they're trying to, like, get some intel Mm -hmm. on this cult and Dread Kali... 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 Kali, yeah. Yeah, and all that. There's there's one Indian guy that works in the Indian restaurant. And they're kind of, like oh, none of you guys are Indian? And they're like, no, no, like, it's the unions. They keep the British in work, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I think we've got one guy from the East and stuff. And so there's one actual Indian guy who works in this Indian restaurant. And he apparently does nothing. Yeah, he, like, lays on a bed of nails and does other stereotypical, like, mystic Eastern things. But he also was probably the one actual Indian person in this movie. I don't know. You don't think, like, I cannot remember her name, like, I'll call her Amy because that's like the mm-hmm. the uh, the woman who was trying to like help them out. Oh, you think so? I thought so. Let me see. I don't know. I'm not going to start he- sitting here speculating on <laughs> everybody's ethnic background in this yeah. movie, but um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but yeah, you're right. Definitely, their leader was a very white dude. Uh, there's no two ways around that. Yes. Um, and uh, you got a variety of very interesting attempts at Indian accents, too. Which oh, is... yeah. The accents were a lot. Which, um, I mean, they're trying. They're trying. She's of Eastern European Jewish descent. Eastern... So... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that about, like, their restaurants. Because it's like, whenever I go to, like, a, a sushi or Japanese restaurant with my Japanese mom, she will instantly comment. She's like, oh, they got Japanese people working here, so it's probably good. <laughs> That's how you know. That's, that's how yeah, you know. That's a thing. I, although, I will say this, like, definitely, like, vaguely racist caricatures in this movie. However, yes. you talk about lampshading. I thought the biggest lampshade on that was the uh, the one guy who is constantly just, like, getting beat up by, like, the, the plans. Like, the follower who has, like, the bandage uh, on his forehead yeah. and things like that. When they send him out of the Goodyear blimp oh, with the God. fake feet with the paint on it. Yep. You heard that right. If you haven't seen this movie, I promise it makes slightly more sense in context yeah. but as he's being lowered down with these red painted feet he s- turns to the camera and he says the things we have to do in these heathen countries so it's like yeah culture is relative yeah. like it is definitely like ethnic caricatures or nationalist caricatures or whatever um that it would almost be less racist if they said these people are from this one particular country as opposed mm-hmm. to eh, just somewhere in asia yeah. somewhere east of suez yeah anyway and to be uh, fair, everyone is a caricature in this movie. Without like, a doubt. It I is mean, a movie full of characters. Our main characters are playing yeah, yeah. sort of caricatures of themselves, yeah, I guess. pretty caricature-y. But, I mean, it doesn't make it better. Like, it's, you know, it uh, is yeah. what it is and not would not hold up today, hopefully. But, um, yeah. Arguably, no, no more... <laughs> No more racist than uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Because the cult is basically the same, except one is played for comedy and one is played straight. Yeah. Well, that's from, like, what, 80s? 85. 85. 20 so, yeah. years later, not and, much changed. Anyway, so that that at least has to be mentioned. Um, there were a lot of Britishisms to this as well mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were interesting, kind of moving on from yeah, sure. the 60s. But uh, the scientists were one. Yeah. Um, they This actually kind of ties back to what we were just talking about, but... The way they portrayed the Indian cult, like when the, you got mm-hmm. to see kind of those secondary characters that were involved, they were very British in their in their mannerisms, which I thought was really, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Like when he meets, um, they meet, I guess, is it the, the cult leader's mom? It's a throwaway joke. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's like, he's like, oh... I don't even know how it comes up. They, like, literally run past her, and she's well, just like, oh, yeah, he's my boy. And, like, what a good boy he is, too. Yes. Yeah. so British. There's two instances of, like, 
cult members' mothers yes. who are both so British and not even attempting anything Indian. The first one I thought was even funnier yep. where like the mother has like the <laughs> sacrifice girl in the bathtub and like scrubbing the red paint off her. It's like, you're just like your sister. Come back at all hours. <laughs> she's Australian. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, she's like all hours, all colors. And you're yeah, like, oh, that was hilarious because so... she was dressed in the same like kind of like yeah. clothing style as like the cult members but mm. talking with like the most British voice and just being like an annoyed mother yeah like, in this like just scrubbing her in a bathtub so like you know that was really good, like yeah. a English flat <laughs> yeah that was the other time I was thinking of that was but, very good yeah so that was funny um then the like the Scotland Yard guy who's like yes. oh the very famous Beatles the very famous blah 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 and like a very famous palace and you know the, the kind of obsession with fame but not yes. really like gonna acknowledge it or you know, not the American, not the American obsession uh-huh. with fame where we worship it. The like, we're going to acknowledge it, but we're going to pretend like it's normal. That was Britishness. That scene was one of the funniest to me, like when they're in the Scotland Yard office and he, mm-hmm. and he's doing all that. And then he also is like, he wants to take the phone call. He's like, I can do imitations. I do a great Cagney. And then he picks up the phone <laughs> and he does like, he imitates Ringo, uh, Ringo <laughs> with his Liverpool accent. Yeah. And George is like doesn't sound a bit like Cagney. I thought, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Also, yep. when they were being, like, shot at or had the bomb thrown, I can't remember what happened. Like, they had, like, the, the through the window, like, they were being shot at through the window of his office. Oh, was that the balloon? Where they yes, the, with, the arrow, with the arrow. Yeah. So, in the arrow, okay, this is where my head is at. All and right. When that happened, and the Scotland Yard guy dove under his desk, I thought... Oh, he's going to grab a machine gun and shoot the guy because Scotland Yard, they're like the cops, right? Right. Then I was like, cops oh. Cops don't have machine guns. But that's this kind of movie. Oh, I thought, okay. And All the right, Cagney right, right. reference, I thought maybe uh-huh. that was going to be a thing like he grabs like a machine gun and just like... And then I was like, oh, no, British cops. And he even <laughs> makes a mention of like, at that exact moment, he comments on that exact thing where he's like, uh... He's like, this is a strong case for arming the police. And I was yeah. like, so British, it hurts. So British. We just don't get it. Us, I was, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 my brain has been infected by too many uh, 80s action movies. That's, yeah. the, that's the that's the situation here. And they really do. They they reference American, like, shoddy craftsmanship oh, yeah. so much. And what is, at one point, the scientists, too, like, I forget where he said his gun was made because his gun malfunctions, of yeah. course. And then he's like, if I had a Luger, then, you know, this would be well, different. The funny, the funny part is that was a Webley, which was the British standard yeah. military yeah, sidearm. Yeah, that was like so the one... It's not, it's, it's not American, but British yes. British-made thing that was... That was Man, they were really but... sticking it to the USA, and I did not care for it, frankly. <laughs> oh, no. We offended your patriot, your sensibilities. Um... Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Britishisms were all over this movie. Like, uh, mm. from the fact that they were apparently super famous and living in like row houses mm. that turned- was the cutest that was one of my favorite gags at the towards the very beginning they all have houses right next to each other with different colored doors the four of them they all unlock their doors and walk in and it's just one giant house mm-hmm. and they each have like a little partition of it so it's it's all color coded yeah. and then they walk in and like everyone's right next to each other their beds are all like yeah. you know the middle of the room and at one yeah. point john like calls the other two to wake them up but they're literally all in, in the, the same room, room. they're so ultra weird. famous but they share a one bedroom a one room row house cute. they really did a lot to like cute up the Beatles in this which I mean I'm it feels kind of genuine to the brand at this time and stuff but um yeah <laughs> which, yeah which, especially, speech, which is especially but... funny to me when you consider the fact that in real life they were just like inhaling as much pot as they could find right. and slaying groupies all across the planet honestly there was one point that I thought was so funny it, towards the end one of the songs um was it I've Got Another Girl? And he's like playing the girl like yeah. a guitar. Yes. And at one point, Paul clearly like brushes her boob or something, mm-hmm. and his face is so like, oh, oh no, oops. <laughs> like, oopsies. And you're just like, Paul. Which is. I know you're touching boobs. Like, I know it. Yeah. There's no way. For sure. There's no way. I- I I had I, I noticed that too, and I had to think like that face has got to be because he thinks they're gonna have to redo the shot like that because yeah. they're not gonna because like let's be honest here on the surface yeah there were these like cuddly like sexless just just yeah. musicians just cute cheese. musicians with weird yeah. haircuts when in reality they were the closest thing the planet had to Motley Crue in 1965 sure. like behind the scenes it, it was all bets were off madness yeah but I, 
<laughs> now knowing that they were like stoned out of their minds too, it made a little Barely more sense. I was like, yes. okay, yeah, he's like, he's high. But that that moment, I was just like, wow, they really are like leaning into the like the Beatles are just a bunch of cuties. <laughs> like they're all just best friends. Like, which uh, let's by the way, while we're on the subject of that scene of that section in the Bahamas, George Harrison wearing a sweater oh, yeah. in the Bahamas, I was like. Because I looked it up, uh, they shot it, they said they shot it in February in the Bahamas. Oh. And I was like, oh, maybe it was colder. I looked at the weather today. Today is in February of 2018. Mm-hmm. It, I know global warming is a thing, but I can't imagine. It's 82 degrees yeah. in no. Paradise Island, Bahamas right now. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine it was that much cooler in 1965 when they shot this movie. Yeah, I, no, that was... It yeah. bugged me. <laughs> They're British. It's, there's always sweaters. <laughs> Yeah, they're probably just like so reflectively white underneath their their <laughs> sleeves that they were like, you gotta throw something on, man. I can't, yeah. I can't film this. I don't know. He was in that Canadian tuxedo at one in the rest of the shots. I'm oh yeah, now. he's wearing the hell out of that. Oh, George yeah. Harrison, he doesn't get enough credit. He's a cutie. <laughs> um, he's my favorite Beatle. Oh, okay, I am a big Ringo fan, quite honestly, but not in a like. Not in any kind of attractive Wait, is way. He, is he your favorite because he's nobody's favorite? Are you one of those people? He's, I think he's secretly everyone's favorite. He's just like the sweetest. But I mean, not uh, in a way that like, I'm like, ooh. wine out of my nose. <laughs> Goodness. If I had to marry a beetle, it wouldn't be Ringo. But like, I will always support him. Yeah, the, the whole scene's in the Bahamas. By the way, great moment. Um... Some of the greatest comedy I thought was like in the Bahamas. Like, mm-hmm. let's, I mean, we gotta like get into like the, the what's yeah, what's funny here, mm-hmm. funny moments like the airport part when they land in the Bahamas, where like the the stair truck goes oh, up to the way too short God. plane. Yeah, I this was is like, this Yard. is brilliant. That oh. was really funny. And the Scotland Yard guy has to climb on top of the plane to yes. be at the same height as the stairs, and, and then climb down. back down. Yeah, amazing. And right after that was one of my favorite jokes where he's getting introduced the way they shoot it it's like kind of a medium shot and he's getting introduced to all the like pcs at the i was the, gonna say that too yeah the bahamas and you know all these different like uh i guess it was the scotland yard equivalent what was the police it was just like you know yeah the police on that whatever the bahamas city police and so he's getting introduced to all their like agents basically mm-hmm. and then they pull back to a wider shot and you see because it's just like oh pc 11 pc 52 pc 12 and he's like shaking all their mm-hmm. hands and you pull back and see that like the ones on the end are ducking around the back and yes, coming to that the was edge. Great. So he's meeting, you know, like the same four people like 12 times. Which I thought was hilarious because it was like, okay, that is definitely a very self-aware joke about like this Scotland Yard guy just think like, quite frankly, thinks all black people look the same. And so like they are taking the piss out of him uh-huh. by like making it look like they've got a huge like lineup and just like exploiting his inability to tell them apart, which I thought was really funny. I thought that was like, you know, exploiting his just like obliviousness to the situation. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that might have been one of my favorite jokes because it's just, it's so silly. And assigning new numbers to them all the way down and non-sequentially, I was like, that is very tricky. That's a really tough thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But Um, it really was like, they put a, a, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. They really do take the piss out of like, just Britishness and that that mm -hmm. high society, that high, you know, like the formality of everything is is a big butt of the jokes. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, any other particular moments in, that that stand out to you was like especially funny. Um, there are a lot of just cute one-liners. The whole scientist shtick was—I had totally forgotten about it, but it, like it was—it was funny because it was very pointed and very much just like a parody of you know the scientist and like not mm-hmm. enough government funding. Um, some of the, there's some random liners that I one-liners that are just stick in my head but his delivery was was great like when he found out about like the ring for some reason the ring being stuck on Ringo's hand was just like his eureka moment where he was like I could dare I say it rule the world (laughs) his delivery was just like so flawless like it was great it was so funny and then he like quickly jumps from the ring to the uh the what what is the 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 shrinking serum? Yeah, the shrinking There's serum. There's like a, a various orchids or whatever. Yes. Like it's a very nondescript title, but he know they say the same specific phrase yeah. every yes. time. Yeah, that, that was, was funny. Yeah, um, he knew exactly what it was. That was, yeah. that was that was amazing. Yeah, I did wonder uh, the moment when um, they sing Beethoven's Ninth to yes. the Tiger. Do you think people sang that in the theater? 
because they kind of pan it to the camera and like everyone Ooh, it's a bar song kind of moment maybe Do you i think I, people sang along uh i wouldn't be shocked uh-huh. but i i don't know that's a hard thing to like really speculate on i did think that it was funny that like the way they set it up with, mm-hmm. first of all, the scene where Ringo Starr, like, for people who have not seen the movie, let's set up the scene a little bit. <laughs> they go to a pub, as you do when you are British. Um, they all get served a pint of beer, and uh, Ringo's is stuck to the bar. So it gets tipped over. Turns out it was a lever to a trap door. He falls into the basement, tries to climb a ladder out of the basement. Turns out all the rungs have been sawn neatly in half, which he turns to the camera and says, <laughs> all the rungs have been sawn neatly in half. Yeah. Then a tiger comes in, obviously. Yep, the um, same tiger that had just escaped from the London Zoo. Which we are explained uh, very shortly thereafter by Scotland Yard. Like, yep. oh yes, that's Raja, the man-eating tiger that escaped from the London Zoo just this morning. Mm-hmm. Of course. He's quite harmless. You just have to sing Beethoven's Ode to Joy from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony yep. in like in German. In, in C sharp minor, yeah. And, and uh, uh, <laughs> Which I did feel like they kind of played for laughs that it kind of was implied that Ringo didn't know it and they were like well yes. obviously the classics and to have yes. the Beatles who are kind of the modern classics they're rock and roll like, they, don't they, don't, the they don't know the classics well it was funny because like the woman from the cult whose name escapes me like says Ame you just, or whatever Ame yeah she was like you have to sing Beethoven's Ninth and then she does like she does it with like humming it mm-hmm. and so you're like oh everybody knows how that goes and then up in the bar, like, Keatley Ringo doesn't know it. Then up in the bar, the guy comes in, explains you have to sing it, and then the whole bar sings it, the actual words, in German. Yeah. And I was like, wow, wait, that is an elaborate way to get away from a tiger. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, he was raised on the classics, as right. they say. <laughs> but that was funny. Um, that was, that that scene in particular was also, was another one of my, like, really stands out as like a funny scene like taken as a whole like a series of gags together that works as a really good scene right and there was not a lot of that a lot of the jokes were mostly just a one-liner or like a funny setup there wasn't a Mm -hmm. lot of setup payoff type jokes another one actually that was in there was um when Paul gets shrunk towards the beginning of the yeah, movie. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> that was like the first like, oh, we're there. This is this is what we're in for for the rest of the movie because it's very early. They warm you up with like the, the flat being one single room. They warm you yes. up with that weirdness and then this happens. Yeah, then you realize it's like metaphysical weirdness yes. when going into that territory. But Paul gets shrunk and he's like running around like on the floor and stuff. And at one point... Ringo like stomps his foot. Yes. And he steps on something. I don't know what it is. Like a it was probably or the gum that oh. Paul wrapped himself in the wrapper of. Ooh. Because folks, oh. if you haven't seen this movie, what happens here is that Paul gets stuck with the serum made of many orchids that was supposed to shrink Ringo's finger so he get the ring off. Yeah. Paul gets stuck with it. His whole body shrinks, except unlike most depictions of shrinking in science fiction, his clothes don't shrink with him. So he shrinks, his outfit stays the same size on the couch, and he is apparently just nude on the ground and wraps himself in a Wrigley's uh, double mint gum wrapper. Yeah. Um, I'd have to watch this again in slow, you know, frame by frame, but it did seem like he was still wearing underwear. He was wearing his underwear. I saw that as well. Yes. I don't know if that was like, because that's just to shoot it, they weren't going to make him go eh. nude or if he, for bad some framing. reason. I think it was bad framing. Okay. that's Yeah, I'll believe that. But yeah, so he's like running around on the ground and Ron- Ringo stomps his foot at one point and they all look at his shoe and they're like, is that Paul? I, <laughs> I will say this. That scene had the most instances of them having to react to something. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that was the scene where it was the most painfully obvious that they were all high as a kite because they're reacting to things like Paul reacting to the fact that he had shrunk down without his clothes. His reaction to that was like the most non-reaction reaction you could possibly. Anyway, all I that just, being said, yeah, I was just like, yeah, that's that's my like impression of the Beatles is just that they were always kind of like, oh, hmm, oh, okay, so you know, high or no, hard to tell. <laughs> um, yeah, that was all really funny. Yeah, there were some some good one-liners. Um, what about you? Anything else, like, particularly funny? I mean, overall, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. Definitely these scenes in particular were funny and they had, like, funny moments throughout. But overall, I definitely found this movie more silly than funny. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's what they were going for or not. Um, I do th- I think the takeaway from this was just, like, 
aren't they cute? Yes. Like, I think the silliness, it's, it's more to just endear you even more if oh, that's yeah. possible to the Beatles <laughs> than anything else. So yeah. probably, yeah, the silliness. Yeah, totally I mean, there. I will say this, like, honestly, they're never, I never found them super engaging as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're coasting on the, like, charisma and marketability that they have, which, totally. I mean, that's legit. I mean, this is, this whole movie is essentially intended to be just, like, a marketing tie-in, which, yeah. that's fine. That's mm-hmm. not a problem. <laughs> and for that, it's really good. I in terms of like the actual like comedy style, like we talked about the Marx Brothers mm. influencing them. And I feel like this movie is like a stepping stone on the path between the Marx Brothers in the 30s and like Airplane mm. and Kentucky Fried movie in the 70s. Okay. You know, where it was like this I don't know how necessarily influential this particular movie was on those like really wild and zany comedies in like the 70s and 80s and stuff like that but they were definitely influenced by the same source material mm-hmm. um, and I, like I said I feel like it's a stepping stone on the path to those kind of movies mm-hmm. so you know it's uh, part again like the, these scenes that were really by the way speaking of airplane like that the whole airport scene with the stair truck that we were talking mm-hmm. about I feel like that could have fit in the movie airplane oh totally yeah yeah that was very of the same like when it was funny it was really funny yeah and even leading up to it so they they put out that they're gonna go to the Bahamas uh-huh. and they're like oh no we just put that out and there's kind of this like who's on first interaction yes. of like no we're not going there we just put out that we're going there and right. they do I forget what the lines are that's when are, they're in disguise they kind of go, right yeah <laughs> which by the way that scene was the one that most made me think like oh 100% this is the monkeys like yeah, this is this, yeah. this that scene in particular was the one I felt like influenced the show the monkeys the most because that seemed like a scene that would appear in the monkeys to come yeah yeah totally I totally agree with that um but yeah, they're so they're like, oh, we're not going there. We're just putting out that we go there. Right. And then they end up going exactly there. And so do the bad guys because mm-hmm. they knew they were going there. So the absurdity and kind of if like... they know that we know that they know that we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, um, so the comedy overall, do you think it held up? Comedy. Um, for me personally, not great like mm. I really had to kind of put myself in the mindset of like okay it's 1965 these are the hottest superstars on the planet mm-hmm. and nothing that has ever come after that exists in in my mind mm-hmm. so I had to kind of put myself in that mindset to really fully appreciate it especially not being innately a Beatles fan right um so my gut reaction would be to say no um mm. like I said though it did come in like kind of a, the middle of a very deliberate progression in comedy and film mm-hmm. um so you know i don't necessarily feel like it's particularly memorable for the comedy mm-hmm. do i think the whole movie held up absolutely okay because like those music videos for sure mm-hmm. like the sections that I, i'm just calling the music videos like the scenes of the yep. performances they were music videos yeah they didn't have a word for that at the time obviously but they were so clearly influential I was thinking about it while they were happening that the way some of them were shot and edited, I was like, this would not be out of place with a different band doing a shot-for-shot remake with their own song mm-hmm. in, like, the 80s, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, if you had just watched some of those music video sequences, yeah, it would have held up as a... Like, if you had played that on MTV or something, you would believe it was a music video. You wouldn't be missing any mm-hmm. context. I don't, I no. don't think for most of them. There were like very brief cutaways to like the cult doing stuff that wouldn't really make yeah. sense. But still, it, even even with that, it's like, who cares? Yeah. Um, and a lot of that happened without the music under it. You know, like right. when they do the undermining part, mm-hmm. they cut away and they're like playing a totally different song. And yeah. Stuff, which... um, but yeah, and, and the movie itself, I feel like, was... Apparently Spike Lee is a huge fan of this movie. Really? Like, huge. He credits Obviously, this movie... we have great taste. Well, clearly. I know that I'm in the minority here <laughs> that of not being a Beatles fan. I get it. I've come I come to terms with it. Well, I do wonder with this movie, like, listeners, how many of you are familiar with this? How many of you have seen it? Like, is it just doesn't feel like it has the classic status of mm-hmm. some of the other movies we've watched. Yeah. You know, for being a Beatles movie... I'm not really sure that it's still. Well, it's funny because, like, okay, even though they were huge at the time, Beatles movies and Elvis movies are not really well known today in the same way that a lot of like other of contemporary classics are. Right. You know what I mean? Like being influential. Like, 
Very few people under the age of 50 probably have seen any Beatles movies or any Elvis movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I only mention them in the same breath because I feel like they were kind of like two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. I um, think, yeah, it is a genre. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it just doesn't, I think, doesn't hold up. Yeah. Not I, necessarily as a genre, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have, yeah, exactly, the classic status that some other movies of this era mm-hmm. definitely have. And also, like, I assume I know the answer to this question, but did you ever see the movie Rock and Roll High School? With, no. with the Ramones? Okay. No. I thought about putting that on our list to talk about, mm-hmm. but our episode would be 10 minutes long because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Okay. Like, I love it, but it's just a goofball movie with a great soundtrack and features the Ramones. Mm-hmm. I was reminded of that because I would seen that before this, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but in the same sense that, like, this band, they cannot act. Oh, no. And the Ramones were almost worse act... Or, well, not almost... They were way worse actors than they were musicians, which as much as I love their band, bad musicians. Oh, okay. Um, but very much Beatles-esque in the sense that like they were game to be in this movie, but it's like they were trying their hardest, but they were not doing it. Yeah, but it's so I mean, but they still get by on their like their like innate charm. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Well, that leads to my next question, which mm-hmm. is who would be in these movies now? Do not you. You, yeah. know, you get it. Not <laughs> not a remake of this movie. Who would be? Who would we make movies from their music? So you posed this question to me earlier today, so I have time to think about it, and I came up with the answer that I think is the correct answer oh. in a roughly one second. Wow. So okay. I have my answer, but I am very curious to see. Do you have an answer? See, I can think of the obvious answer. Okay, I'll go first. The obvious answer. Is like a One Direction. Obviously, they're broken up now. Obviously, you knew that. But rest in power, um, One Direction. <laughs> so somebody like that, that it's just like you can, you would ride the cash cow of their fame. Mm-hmm. You don't care about them as their personalities or their charisma or anything. It's just you know people would see this movie because they have so much play. So you're talking um, about like a Spice World situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, even Spice Girls, like they had their personas much mm-hmm. more than like. One Direction. That's just not right. You know, you have Scary Spice and Baby Spice, and they all their kind of charisma is part of it. Whereas One Direction is kind of the '90s, the uh, boy band more in the in the vein of like Insync or Backstreet yeah. Boys, where it's just like that's weird. I never thought about One Direction as like a throwback band, but they kind of were. Oh, they absolutely didn't are. think about yeah. it that way. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. I don't. I don't know. I mean the. Th- what we do kind of have now, this is a movie, if you've seen and see, feel strongly <laughs> about, we could totally bring, but uh, Never Stop, Never Stopping? No. Never st- I, I actually didn't see that. No, Pop no. Star, Never Stop, Never Pop Stopping. Star, yeah. yes. With Andy Samberg. Yeah. You so know that I'm an Andy Samberg fan. I actually haven't I seen that movie. love, I actually love Lonely Well, one of us should just watch it because yeah. we know we're both going to have one strong feelings feel about strong. it. Yeah. No, we got to find somebody else. Listeners. Who feels strongly about pop stars? Fans, listen up. This yeah. is your chance. This is your chance to make it on your favorite If you podcast. have seen the Andy Samberg masterpiece, <laughs> Never Stop, Never Stopping. Pop star. Never pop star, stop, never stop, never stopping. stopping. We don't even know the title right Hit now. us um, up. Yeah. That I, that, I think, is what we have now, is those kind of, like, comedy bands that have the crossover kind of yeah. video comedy music. Yeah trifecta and that's that's today's version mm-hmm. of that but that's mm-hmm. all what exists right what do you think should exist well i was thinking my initial thought was it would have to be a band with a good sense of humor obviously yeah. like able to poke fun at themselves although there are not any bands today i would argue that are the caliber of superstars that the beatles were in 1965 sure yeah with that being said I would love nothing more than to see a movie in the style of Help starring the Foo Fighters. Oh, Dave Grohl, I think, could carry that movie on his little finger. Yes. And with Hawkins, their drummer, Uh oh my God. Like, just them two together, I would watch that movie. The whole band, if they could be on board with it, amazing. I think that would be lightning in a bottle yes marketability wise I who think... does love the Foo Fighters ah, I they think are... they might have crested that wave what what was the crest like I don't know that they ever had a specific high point okay they have been I, I think that they are consistently popular I think that they are at, I mean again though name me a band that is more popular and game to do this 
Okay, all right. I think it would be a good movie. I don't know that it would get the pickup. Oh, the, like, if we're talking about what movie's going to sell, I don't know. I don't, have yeah. an, I don't have an answer to that question. Like, like I said. It would be a fantastic movie that no one's going to make. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't I, know. They might have made it a couple years, like a decade ago. Oh, a decade. Well, okay. A decade. Oh, oh, when man. was the last album? I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, but they have that reputation for being like game to, you know, they're down a clown. They're going to do whatever it takes to entertain people, you know? We'll talk about this later, but that's not what down to clown means. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think it would be a great movie. I totally agree. I would I would see it. I meant, I I meant down to like clown in like the literal sense. They are <laughs> down to act like clowns. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. They they do have some current albums. Kari, for listeners at home, is now researching the history of the Foo Fighters to yeah. find out exactly when their last album came yeah, out. Yeah, TVD, come back to me in about 10 minutes. I'm going to do some research. <laughs> Just, you know, I half of this movie, this movie is about marketability. This is a movie about capitalism yeah. and the music industry. Right. Oh, and 100%. And the Foo Fighters, content-wise, purely content-wise, I think would be a fantastic movie. You don't have that marketability half because they... You're, you're asking right now for a perfect combination that, frankly, I do not think exists in 2018. Maybe. Maybe not. The, I get, maybe like not. I said, my, my caveat at the beginning was that we do not have a band that is of the superstar status that the Beatles had in 1965. Right. Yeah. And it I, doesn't exist. Like, that part alone, that single criterion does not exist anymore. I mean, yeah, I I, I agree. It. it in that they were the very first, you're never going to have something like that again. I, I do think like One Direction and stuff like that at their peak has a very similar cult following, cult of personality. I don't know that they would have the same, I guess, no, cult of personality is exactly the wrong term because they they don't and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's finding that marriage. I Yeah, and it's funny because like I, I think there are certain bands that popped up and had their moment. Uh -huh. since the Beatles that like over time could have done this and been in I don't know how successful the movie help was monetar monetarily but like I think that in like the hair metal era for example which is something that I just happen to be a fan of mm -hmm. personally but like a band like Van Halen probably could have carried something mm -hmm. like this at, in their at their peak like yeah. say like 1981 82 I think they could have carried a movie like this if they were into it um, in the 90s, I mean, you know, you had a lot of, uh, I, I mean, by the boy band era, especially, like, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, forget about it. They would have slayed with, so it just comes up every few years. Like, yeah. you have, you, you'll never reach true Beatlemania fever, fever pitch again. Like, that is come and gone. It's yeah. just not going to happen anymore. But you have these groups that for some reason capture these gargantuan audiences of teenage girls mm -hmm. and coast on that for like a couple of years mm -hmm. and while they're at the peak of that wave while they're cresting that wave they can do anything yeah like we talked about it's ironic that like actually now that I think about it Spice World was kind of that movie for its time yeah. because they were they kind of weirdly enough pioneered what would become the American boy band format yeah yeah I guess well you've got a group of distinct personalities that essentially mm -hmm. become cartoon characters I kind of downplayed that with like the the Perlman created bands no. like with Backstreet Boys and stuff like that anyway um, but yeah I mean it's like that it, 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 it comes up every once in a while I don't think that in 2018 we have that that's that's the problem yeah so today if we're gonna re remake that movie today I still think Foo Fighters are the best bet Okay. I don't think they're a perfect choice, but they are the best bet. All right, all right, yeah. I, I think we're kind of in a vacuum of it for right now, since there's a One glut, Direction... There's a glut of bands and musicians today that none of them are clearly the biggest superstars in the world. Well, we also just disbanded some of the ones that were. So, like, One Direction, mm -hmm. again, Justin Bieber's a, his, a solo artist, and you have, like, the Katy Perrys and the Lady Gagas and Beyonce and stuff, but... Um. Yeah, even like Fifth Harmony, I feel like maybe came close, but I don't think they're still together. I don't know. 
anything <laughs> about any of these people you're talking about. I think I think we'll have another one fairly soon, but we're yeah, fine for, for now, it. We're we don't fine really, for it. We don't really have that uh, mm-hmm. that one band. So. Even One Direction at their peak, I mean, I know that they were popular. Yeah. But they were not infecting every facet of popular culture, even at their peak. Maybe not every facet. Yeah, I get. Yeah. Like I could not tell you literally a single One Direction song. But you've heard them. I think if they were playing, you would probably Maybe. recognize them. Maybe I don't know, and that's the thing. I feel like when the Beatles were at their peak, and not just because they were the only game in town, I think that they were unmistakable. Mm-hmm. Because so, I was alive in 1965, and I can tell you that with certainty. Yeah, yeah. Kyle is actually much much older. Than I'm he looks. 88 years old. He's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So, with that, anything else that uh, we didn't touch on? Um, <laughs> this is something I wrote down very early in my notes. This is the third film we've been doing this podcast for about four months now. Uh-huh. This is the third film we've covered that involves ritual human sacrifice. Oh my god, a theme yeah. spinoff podcast. Yeah. Also, this did not come up. But among the, uh, I mentioned this at the very top, the scene where the guy in charge of the cult cuts the hole underneath Ringo with a chainsaw (gasps) and then, like, attacks Ringo Starr with a chainsaw. Yep. I was like, whoa, this is way off tone from what I thought this movie was going to be. Nothing happens. It was cartoonish, though. The thing I, sorry, yes. No, it was just like. Uh, that might be the earliest movie that I'm aware of. No, that is the earliest movie that I'm aware of involves a human being attacking another human being with a chainsaw. Fair. I was wondering if it was the first occurrence of the cut a circle hole in the floor thing. I think they probably stole that from Looney Tunes, honestly. I okay, think that's Looney pre- Tunes predated? I think, oh yeah, Looney Tunes has been around since like the 30s. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Um... But yeah, anyhow, yeah. That, oh, yeah, uh, I guess the Grinch came out. Okay, yeah. Wait, what's the Grinch have to do with any of this? Well, it was all the same. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the Grinch was like 1966. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was older than that. Mm-mm. Never mind. I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. You I sounded like a real voice. expert on One Direction, though, so I don't want to take that away from you. You know, I know some stuff. <laughs> I'm aware. Um, we just have not overlapping uh, cultural knowledge. It's, it's a very <laughs> narrow sliver of the Venn diagram, yes. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's the first live action occurrence then of the circle cut that, on the floor. Possibly. I'll take it. Um, anything else? Um, <laughs> I don't have want... a list. Go in. No, Go no, in I, do, I do not have a list. This is just the last thing I've actually got in my notes. Bad acting makes you appreciate good acting. Oh, there you go. There's the silver lining. It's always darkest before (laughs) the dawn or whatever. You know, you wouldn't appreciate the good times without the bad times. Well, on that note, then, would you recommend it? Selectively. Okay. I would... To whom? I... Actually, no, not selectively. Whether you would enjoy this or not, I think you should watch it. Mm -hmm. If you don't appreciate the comedy, which... It's hit or miss for me. The music video sequences, I cannot understate, or cannot overstate, I guess I should say. I cannot overstate the importance of their role in, like, the history of popular culture. Mm -hmm. Like, much in the way that the Beatles were influential to musicians after them, I feel like this movie was influential to every music video director that came afterward. Yeah. Um, and for that alone, even if every joke fell flat, I feel like this movie would be well worth watching. Um, so yes, I would recommend that you watch the Beatles. Help! <laughs> I also would recommend it, especially, you know, it's not a movie you have to focus real hard on. You might miss actually a lot of the jokes if you don't, if you're not paying attention. If you're not paying super, like I was paying super close yeah. attention and I was still like, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. there's some stuff I just Slow down. <laughs> You know what this did? Thinking about it now, though, this would definitely be something that was playing on a screen in, like, a bar. Like, Joystick or something. Mm-hmm, this would be mm-hmm. on a screen Joystick in... Game Bar on Edgewood Avenue for those folks who are not yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah, little plug. Um, just a dive bar. That, this would be on the screen that you're just like, what am I watching? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's worth your time, though. Whether you're in a bar and you can't hear anything 
or you have some time and you just want to sit down and watch something that's like easily digestible and yeah. cute and you like the Beatles, I think, you know, if, if you're in either of those moods, definitely watch this. If the Beatles weren't in this movie and you just played it in a bar, it would definitely be a what the hell am I watching kind of a thing, but you'd be transfixed. It'd be great. I think either way. I think if, if this <laughs> yeah. was on in a bar and you couldn't hear it, you'd be like, what? Yes. But you couldn't look away. Right. That is true. Very true. All right. Well, then, in that case, what's on the docket for next week? Well, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know because you haven't told me yet so i know it's my turn to pick is this like an uno like draw four type situation you're gonna pass it back to me here's what's gonna happen i'm gonna ask you a series of questions and that's gonna lead us to what movie we're gonna watch next okay i like it okay as far as tone is concerned do you want to watch something serious or something light uh we've done a lot of light let's do something serious oh okay um would you lean more toward a war movie or a science fiction movie oh jeez Oh, I really avoid war movies. Um, let's just do let's do the war movie. Okay. Do you want a war movie with a little bit of Harrison Ford or a lot of Harrison Ford? Oh wow! Oh man! How many? How many? Oh, no, possible this is, solutions. This, this are is there the last. This? this is the last question. I promise. No, but like you must have had like a lot of different. Okay. I was very um, bored at work today. <laughs> let's do a lot of Harrison Ford. A lot of Harrison Ford. I am so glad you said that because Ooh. we are going to watch a movie that Harrison Ford himself uh, doesn't particularly like. And I no. don't know why, because it's really, really good. It is very shortly after Star Wars. Um, it's a movie that takes place during World War II, where a group of commandos is tasked with blowing up a German dam. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, not a dam. A dam. They're tasked with blowing up a German bridge. Oh, okay. Um, very different. Very, very different. But on their way, they find out that their allies are supposed to be on the ground are not who they seem. And things kind of go haywire, and they got to improvise, adapt, and overcome. This is a movie that I would be shocked if you've even heard of before. It's a sequel to a very famous movie called The Guns of Navarone. Okay. Which starred Gregory Peck, who is not in this movie. Kay, have you seen Force (laughs) 10 from Navarone? I have not, and I am intrigued. I like Harrison Ford. I, as I said, avoid war movies generally. They're just not my thing. But, um, yeah, we shall shall see. Awesome. If you like Harrison... Folks at home, I highly recommend you watch this. This is just a buried gem. If you like Harrison Ford, you have to see this movie because this is peak Harrison Ford. Comes right between Star Wars and Indiana Jones. It is so good, so entertaining, just an action-packed, solid movie. Like, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's not a gory war movie. It's a fun war movie. Anyway, so yeah, Force 10 from Navarone for next week. Uh, but until then, thank you so much for joining us on KABC. My name is Kyle. I'm Kari. And we'll see you next week. See ya.